This is a Clark University podcast. I stepped to the front of the room and snatched a marker from Miss Adams' desk. These monuments represent the general public, the collective will of the community, right? I wrote Athens on the whiteboard, then Socrates. I explained Plato's analysis of Socrates' act of civil disobedience by refusing to participate in the public worship of Greek gods. Are there certain contexts in which defacement of idols of the tribe is appropriate? Yes. It seems, though, the more important issue is the meaning of the painted remarks, hashtag Black Lives Matter, rather than the actions, in this case, spray painting on a public statue. They looked at one another as if unsure where I was going with all this. Maybe they were figuring out if I supported them or not. When I was reading Usman Power Green's book, The Confessions of Matthew Strong on the Beach this summer, one scene felt particularly striking. Protagonist Allie Douglas, a philosophy professor with an activist past, visits her nephew's school in Alabama after a racist statue has been vandalized. She ends up giving the teens a lesson on ancient philosophy, leaving the students perplexed about whether she supports them or not. I was curious what Usman, a professor of history and the program director of Africana Studies at Clark, would have said to those students. You know, it's really funny because I rewrote this scene, um, you know, so many times. Like, I rewrote that scene with every response that I would have said, uh, that Ali could have said, from angry to compassionate to somewhere in between to, uh, what would have I said? I definitely wouldn't have said what Ali said, which is sort of ended up being ultimately what you, you all will read, a very esoteric, detached. I, it's I start, different than what I expected. Yeah, because yeah. she's a, a, a philosopher. She doesn't even love kids that much. So like, I love kids, I love connecting with them. And so I wouldn't have given some esoteric speech about like Plato's Republic. You know, when I, I talk to students all the time and most of my efforts are to understand their perspective. The Confessions of Matthew Strong will be available in October. The historical fiction novel is a story about race and redemption as Allie Douglas is kidnapped by a white supremacist. The book has been in the works for 15 years. I'm Melissa Hansen, a producer in Clark's communications office, and this is Challenge Change. So much of the idea for this novel came from my interest in horror my interest in collective violence. So my grandmother, Madeline Green, was born in Alabama, and that side of the family, we don't really know all that much about it. You know, this is much more of a a creative journey and also a historical journey. Alabama is one of the most important historical states in the South. And so not only was it the first place the Confederacy capital was before it got moved to Richmond, but it also, for the civil rights era, is like the central imagery we have of a lot of the civil rights movement. To the point where, you know, when I teach my course on the civil rights movement, I have to, you know, help students understand 
the reality of the Upper South and Maryland and events that happen in, uh, you know, in Virginia, these other places, because they're just not in the civil rights landscape in the same way because of the Freedom Rides and what happened in Alabama, you know, because of the Birmingham movement, um, because of the letter from a Birmingham jail. So as a historian um, and a person who is, has been fascinated with understanding Alabama and reconciliation, I decided that had to be the place for it to happen. Usman felt that the perspective of a young black woman was the only lens fit for this story. You know, you rely on family and friends. Uh, you, you know, for me, I spent a lot of time really studying cadences and speeches of, you know, black women from Alabama, and also, um, you know, obviously a lot of Angela. You know, I teach Angela Davis. She's a you know, crucial figure in all my courses. Um, paying attention to speech patterns and choices. Allie, you know, for me, Allie Douglas is like the, you know, this is not actually, probably actually true, but, you know, for me, Allie Douglas is like the first black female intellectual sort of philosopher heroine. I saw her, with, you know, in that sort of way. And so as an intellectual, as a professional intellectual, I, you know, I wanted to ensure that the challenges that she sort of faced professionally um, intersected with the challenges she faced sort of more broadly in her life. The novel delves into the struggles black professors face at predominantly white universities. You know, she studies the philosophy of slaveholders and how they use philosophy to, to justify not only slavery, but also civil war. And I'm a professor and, and I understand the challenges that black professors face, predominantly white schools. But it was, of course, obviously very fun to sort of play around with, with that aspect. And so for me, The Confession of Matthew Strong, as a fictional journey, was a journey thinking about, you know, what happens when people who feel completely disempowered, um, who once really felt like they you know, had a sense of pride in themselves, um, try to have a rebirth. The novel also brings suspense as readers wait to find out what happens after Allie is kidnapped by Matthew Strong. You know, when I was a young person, it was the Atlanta Child Murders, you know, which is, you know, featured in the book. I mean, that was a major moment in my development. You know, the idea of a racialized, you know, kidnapping of black kids and killing them. Like, this was stuff that when I was a kid was, like, horrifying to me. It was really, really scary. And so in order to, to effectively capture that fear, you have to go there. And it's not easy to go there, you know, I'm de and I'm demanding a lot for my readers to go there. Uh, but for, for, you know, for African-Americans and for me personally, this was a reality. In the 1970s, there were several professional intellectuals, ac academics actually, uh, who were white supremacists and had talk shows, had radio stations that inspired Turner Diaries. It was not difficult to find these radio you know, shows and to listen to interviews with some of these figures from the 70s and to develop ideas for what would be you know, sort of a realistic portrayal. Readers will also discover different versions of faith within the pages of this novel. Religiosity in the black community and the South generally is the central part of, of many people's identity. Part of, of what was interesting to me as I was thinking about the novel uh, was the ways in which, you know, African Americans have found strength in religion, and also, you know, the Confederate movement um, and various supremacist movements historically have found tremendous strength in faith. I mean, I'm a Christian, you know, all claims to me that challenge the, the centrality of humanness and, and you, know, you know, sort of the, the covenant to me is, is perverting Christianity. 
you know, Allie left religion and sort of saw herself very much rejecting uh, the religiosity of her upbringing. And that's something that's very common. For Usman, a historian and a black study scholar, weaving a fictional tale was a practice completely opposite of his academic writings. When you're writing history, what you're trying to do, based on the evidence you find, you're trying to recreate what happened in the past as closely to how it actually happened as possible. And then you're analyzing what happened based on what you have. That's the job, that's what you do. It's tremendously challenging because you just don't, you want to make an argument, but you just don't have the evidence. So it's very external in that sense. When you're writing fiction, it's the opposite. So you have ideas, you have little, a, a sentence here, a thought, an image. And so you don't need to find something out there, it's in you. So you have to go inside yourself to figure out why that's so compelling. You know, why does that image keep coming back? Why do you feel so passionate that your character has breast cancer, for example, or that your character is from this particular place? So they, like, why? You know, and, and you don't know why. <laughs> you know, you, you have ideas, and you're writing ideas down, and a lot of, for me, the process is the opposite because I have to generate everything. You know, everything you read, every novel you read, shapes how you think about your work. So you do have external help, you know, creative help. Uh, every film you see, you, have, you, you do have help, but at the end of the day, you really are generating the story from yourself, from what you see to be important, and it's really much more of a process of like meditation and closing your eyes and like breathing and thinking about and seeing the scene. I'm a visual writer, so I see all my scenes. The challenge is getting them down. I am trying to figure out like what's happening here, who is in this room, and so it's you know very much more like that. I mean, really, it is literally like a dream. <laughs> you know, it's like when you, how you wake up from a dream and you're sort of asking yourself like, what happened? What's the narrative? For me, that's how my creative process is. Usman is hopeful that Ali's character can live on after readers put down this book. Ali Douglas is an incredible character, you know, and I think that, you know, we don't have black women professional intellectuals um, in our sort of popular imagination. You know, we really don't. Not characters. We have, you know, investigators, you know, we have, you know, other sort of people. We don't have like a, like a philosopher. We need a philosopher, you know, black woman philosopher in our American public imagination. Um, I really hope she has many lives. The conversation will continue more during a roundtable event featuring Usman and other Clark faculty on November 2nd. They'll discuss the confessions of Matthew Strong and the challenges of writing and teaching gut-wrenching topics. Those interested can attend in person in Dana Commons on campus or via Zoom. More information is in the show notes. To learn more about history at Clark, visit clarku.edu history. Challenge Change is produced by Andrew Hart and Melissa Hansen for Clark University. Find other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. One, two, three. Clark!